Hello and welcome to the Mullet Over podcast with the yes. Dr. Richard Mull. <laughs> and I have to draw out that word. Doctor. Our absolute we're gonna have to call him our favorite yes. guest because this is the, the The only person we've had on three times. I think has Philip been on three times? Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. So sons do get preferential treatment. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on more than three times, I think. I think you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'll do if I have to have a podcast without you. <laughs> You'd do great. I don't know how. There I'm are people that have requested it. that. Yes. Oh. They, get rid of the old guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody's actually said this. <laughs> not actually, in those words exactly, <laughs> but uh, it has been that communicated. Was the I did get, I did, uh, the last time when it was me and Philip, I did get a couple people saying, like, your and Philip's dynamic was really good. I was like, and, uh, well, I, and I, my dad. And they're like, yeah, you and Philip, you guys had really good. Well, like, I, I, oh, it was good to sit back. Like, I, I just sat back and I go, like, I don't have to hold anything. I don't have to keep anything going or add anything. In fact, there were people upset at the Nathan Reynolds one that I said as much as I said. And I felt like I listened a lot. Really? Yeah, there were a number of people, just let him talk. <laughs> and I was like, but there are a few people. He is a uniquely oh, yeah. gifted communicator. Definitely. So Rabbi Ron is one of those two amazing um, gifted and brings so much to the table. Um, and yeah, we, we have been blessed in the past. Now we, our listeners, now have our not listeners been. will actually get to be blessed too. I think, I think our first podcast is still my favorite podcast that we've shot. With him? No, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Of all the podcasts we've done, I think the first one that we did was my, probably my favorite podcast we've done. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. One. Yeah. They were that we, we've been, we've met twice and talked over the feast and, uh, that is such an amazing and rich topic. It's sad that so many people, all you have to say is the word feast and they're like, like <laughs> anti, that's religion, that's Old Testament, that is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, if, if people could just chill out. And if I couldn't remember to record and, our podcast. <clears throat> are we not recording? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm recording this. Oh. One. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Then, then, uh, I, I, like, that's one of the things that I, Somebody had responded to one of our podcasts, and it was about Halloween. And I said, I don't think you should comment unless you've listened. And they were like, how do you know that I didn't listen? <laughs> and I was like, I still wanted to respond to that because I was like, your response would be way more intelligent if you had listened. Yeah. Because like people just react yeah. to the subject. Mm -hmm. I know growing up, like if you just said the word healing, it was like, <gasps> Ooh, you're one of those. Or tongues. Ooh one of those, you know, write the person off. And uh, feasts, sadly, for a lot of Christians is mm -hmm. like that. We're not dealing with that today, I don't think. But uh, who knows, it may pop up. Mm -hmm. I, I was just seeing it where Paul was like being invited to, um, uh, to, or he was at planning his travels. And he was like, I have to go and celebrate the feasts in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And this was late in the book of Acts. Yeah. And yeah. it was, I have to do this. It is it is imperative. Some kind of word like that, I don't yeah. remember. Because I'm studying all the passages of disciples, and I'm watching the yeah. apostles and the disciples interact. And, and they're like trying to protect him. The disciples are trying to protect the apostle. And he's like, I have to do this. 
I have if to go to church. at all possible. Yeah. You know, if I don't, God's, I'm not going to lose my salvation yeah. in my relationship with God. But it's in the Bible. So if at all possible, I need to try to do whatever the Bible he, says. He took a Nazarite vow, which, yeah. you know, I'm like. Wait, Paul took a Nazarite vow? It, well, it just says a <laughs> vow, and he shaved his head, which is part of what you do. So I don't know. Would would it be Were there other vows that you would take? There could be other vows, but the shaving of the head would lead to say there's the yeah. first likely choice. Yeah, yeah. In case anyone's wondering, I did not take the Nazarite vow when I shaved. <laughs> <laughs> you got some cruel comments when you first did it, didn't you? Oh, a can cancer patient. I look like a cancer patient. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It, it's looking good now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And you always look good. But yeah, it, it was radical change. We'll go, we'll go back to the Nazarite vow. No. <laughs> <laughs> Move on from my haircut. <laughs> from Trevor Lawrence to. I know it was. I had twenty inches of hair. I don't, last time you were on, I think I, I had a man yeah, bun. I think so. Now that you're talking about so, it, it sounds right. I thought you ha I was going to donate my hair, and I thought. You had to have 12 inches, and I wasn't sure it was going to be long enough. And I went in, and they were like, so we can cut 16 inches and leave four inches. I was like, oh, my goodness. I had no idea. I did not realize it was that long. And so, yeah, donated hair and sweet shaved my head. <laughs> <laughs> to the chagrin of some. To some. Yeah. <laughs> I might have been threatened to not be allowed in family photos <laughs> this Thanksgiving and Christmas due to my decision. Anyways. All right. It's, now that haircut's better than the other one that happened in your house. I'm talking about <laughs> Asher cutting Levi's hair? Yeah. Yeah. I put my kids down for a nap and I could hear them after like 30 minutes. I think I already told this on the podcast, but they, um, I go in there and the the baby runs from the older brother's bed and jumps into his bed. And like, they're both like, and I like kind of look at them like, what are we doing? And my older son's just like, I'm sorry, dad. And hands me a handful of the younger brother's hair. I'm like, how did you have scissors in your bed? Where did you even get these? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the good old days. Little yes. Kids. Yes. So I can't wait to talk for you to talk. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> We usually don't take this much time. This is like the most interesting start to our podcast. So, so Rabbi Ron is a friend of our ministry and our lives, and we've known each other for how long? Since the either at very end of 2009 or the beginning of 2010. Wow. And, yeah. And I our, I, my first remembrance of you is you coming and teaching us about the feasts and walking us through Passover and um, some of the other feasts. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, we all had our little pamphlets you read. We got, got to be experienced. And I remember the first couple of times doing that, being like, this is like so rich. The Bible, I remember when we went to Israel, the Bible came alive. And I remember doing the feast. It was like the Old <clears throat> Testament. I connected to it in a different way. I understood things in a different way. And, you know, the Bible kind of came alive hmm. for, for the first time. Yep. And now in a couple of weeks or so was Hanukkah, Feast of Dedication. And wow. So great opportunity, listeners, to learn more because jesus was in jerusalem during the feast of dedication so you ought to find out what he was up to mm -hmm. and yeah. uh and we're now the temples it's a celebration of the rededication of the temple well we're the temple of god's spirit so mm. rededicate our temple and then the question is that, how do we rededicate our temples i want to check you do you have online resources where you're teaching about some of these i i've got to as i was talking earlier uh I, I'm starting to finally get my act together uh, little by little and updating a YouTube channel, Rabbi Ron Speaks, because then there's playlists. So Passover, Hanukkah, 
uh, Israel. And so this way, if someone says, I want to learn about this particular feast or about Israel, there could be three to five minute long videos specifically on the topic. And so I've done a two or three recently on Israel. So that at least has two or three updated. And I need to now update some Hanukkah ones. And so um, Israel is going to be our main focus today. Yes. But I, I want to invite you. And I think this is the first guest I've invited to a Sunday night to teach on Hanukkah. So afterwards we're going to get out your calendar and get you on. And we'll post that even on the link here. Once we, if if we're able to get that schedule um, on a Sunday night, we meet here and uh, I would love, because that's one that I have not um, celebrated ever. So I have not even really studied it. I, I would, I could sound intelligent to some people oh. talking about. It. I know enough just to, but but most <laughs> but you I would be like no 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 that's all wrong. <laughs> well, it's funny cuz you grow up celebrating Christmas. You don't yeah. even have to now your celebration and everybody's different celebrations are a little bit unique, but you don't have to think about it. For me, I've been learning the festivals, the feasts and they're starting to get that way to me where it's like it's mine now. Yeah. You know, and uh, but it but it took a while because you didn't sure. grow up as a little kid learning about it, you know, and so um, yeah, share with us a little bit about Hanukkah. Hanukkah, you've got like I mentioned there the uh, the Maccabees. You had King Antiochus or Antiochus, however you pronounce it. I'm from New York, so we got our own little dialect, New York City, <laughs> and that was the way I grew up calling him King Antiochus. He forbid. The people of Israel, just like other nations that he had taken over, invaded. Uh, you're forbidden to follow your customs, culture, religion, anything. And you have to assimilate and take on his. And uh, finally, a group then who got the nickname Maccabees, some zealots, said, no, we can't put up with this. We need to be faithful and read the scriptures and live according to the scriptures, worship God according to scriptures. And they finally regain control of the temple. Uh, They didn't uh, kick out Antiochus, but they got control of the temple. And what you have is the book of Maccabees, not in the Bible, Protestant Bible, Jewish Bible, but in the Catholic edition of the Bible. Protestant Jews just say it's a religious writing that we can go to, but it's not divine inspired, met the criteria. Uh, You go there and that is the biggest source of information on Hanukkah. And that tells you that then they rededicated the temple and specifically the altar for sacrifice being so important. Uh, But I just uh, a year or two ago listened to a reform rabbi lady and uh, she mentioned that Hanukkah, though, the emphasis there is that though then when they went inside the holy place, there was the lampstand, which was always lit to provide light and so they went, you had to have all holy, sacred, special oil to use in the temple. And when they got there, they only found enough oil that should last about a day. And then, but it took time to make more oil according to the requirements. And God provided a miracle and the one day supply of oil lasted eight days just until the new oil was available. And so that's what... uh the Talmud then briefly, very, very briefly mentions a one-day supply of oil lasting eight days. and But the biggest source is the book of Maccabees. It does not mention that at all. It just mentions the rededication of the temple. 
And this reformed rabbi said, well, they were zealots. And like, for example, one of the things is King Antiochus attacked and killed many Jews on Shabbat. And according to Jewish law, we're not allowed to fight on Shabbat. And so they were easy prey and plenty got killed. And finally, the zealots, the Maccabees said, we can't just sit here and let them kill us. We got to stand up and fight and protect our lives. And so the zealots would challenge the Pharisees, the teachers, Mm. and say, no, your interpretation, your application is wrong. It'll get us all killed. And this is good proof. We need to defend ourselves contrary to your teaching. So the Pharisees decided that even though the book of Maccabees, the biggest source, never mentioned anything about oil lasting, but focused on the, the Maccabees regaining control, they, this reformed rabbi said they didn't want to give honor to the Maccabees because they were zealots mm. and challenged the authority of the Pharisees. So they downplayed it. They didn't. They don't remove it. Maccabees is still mentioned, but they downplay it. And the focus is the one day supply of oil lasting eight days. God's provision, so we never were without. So, which is also an amazing, great teaching. And so you've got the miracle of oil light. We need to let the light shine. Uh, And then as well, rededicating the temple. We're the temples of God's spirits. So here's a time to to really focus and say, God, what do I need to do to rededicate this temple Mm. to worship you? So there's several themes, but those are two of the biggies that I love digging into and teaching people. That's Uh, awesome. That's awesome. Okay, wait. So so when you would like light the candles, right? The menorah? Yes. That's Hanukkah? Yep. So you light the candles and then what you have is, so yes, Lord, as we're doing this, we're adding light. And then the challenge was, there's always something like this in the Jewish writings. Well, do we light all eight candles for the eight days? Or, and some rabbis said, no, we should light eight and count down eight, seven the next night, six, five, four. And another rabbi said, no, we need to go forward. Start with one, then two, then three. And the reason is that light grows. And they were the ones that won out, according to the uh, the teachings in Judaism. That And it does make sense. Light grows. Here it is December, the, physically the darkest time of the year when there's the least sunlight, daylight. Mm. We are reminded we're living in darkness and we need for the light to increase and grow. So it's a great teaching. This world needs more light. And, and Yeshua, since we're the temple of God's spirit, his spirit lives inside of us. We're the light now and we need to let this light shine in the dark world. So there's some great application and teaching. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna. I'm, I, I've never read the book of Back, Maccabee, uh, and what's weird is like uh, growing up, I remember t- teachings on the Maccabees, like you know, in homeschooling and and even mm-hmm. like in church. But I, I and I've searched for it. I, like today was the first day that I ever realized it wasn't in like the Protestant Bible that it's in the yeah. Catholic Bible. Didn't even realize that till today. So I've now finally bookmarked it on my computer. And usually uh, November, December, I'll reread. It's actually first and second Maccabees. And I will reread those and try to find things, uh, you know, for good uh, application and to learn and grow as well, since it's timely. Yeah. So it's bookmarked, so I can always find it now. That's awesome. Cool. All right. So are we going to talk about Israel now? Yes, sir. It's been a a big subject going on, a lot of stuff going on. Um, what has been your experience uh, personally in America right now since, you know, the 7th? And what has yeah. 
I know uh, my my two youngest, I got five kids. My youngest are twins at Syracuse University. And they said there's been some some issues and conflict and problems on campus at Syracuse. President or somebody in high up authority had to send a message out that we can't put up with this kind of behavior on campus. It's not acceptable. And I just little by little hear of stuff like that and uh, happening around America and around the world. But what kind of conflict uh, uh, of just uh, of people getting violent, demonstrating against the other side and uh, that there can be some uh, <clears throat> some aggressive behavior and persecution or discrimination, things happening. And it's just really stirring hearts and causing people to get angry that uh, that they don't approve of what the other side is doing, and it happens on both sides. It's not one mm, side, mm. So, you know. Uh, and, and so you just got that happening. Have they experienced persecution themselves, or I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, they haven't said that they have. They've been aware of it, but they haven't. And and four of my five kids, my wife's from India. And four of them have mom's skin color. So uh, as well, they're not even just your white American. They've got darker skin. And uh, so they've always had to keep that in the back of their minds as well, that Mm -hmm. there could be moments as well. But uh, I don't believe they've personally, they haven't told us. So I always wonder as a parent, you know, sometimes kids don't tell us little things like that to worry us. And so they don't lie to deceive and be evil. But just to protect us, sometimes a kid will not tell us everything. (laughs) And I say, fine, don't tell me, but talk to your siblings. And if you talk with your siblings, Mm. then I'll understand Then if you do that. So (laughs) but so the persecution, discrimination, things are happening. I mean, but just war is just always ugly. I, you know, I imagine I'm grateful that in my life I haven't had to uh, participate. Uh, but it's always ugly. Always a lot of innocent people get hurt. Innocent people get killed. And sadly, that's what's happening today in Israel and in, in, in the Palestinian communities and in Israel where the Jewish communities are. Yeah. And so it's just tragic as every war is nobody wins in war that's yeah yeah i'm sure nobody does and so as i mentioned before we got on the air my a few years back my oldest son those are my youngest two that are at syracuse my oldest son uh ravi just got married a week ago and uh, i can remember when he was in high school he started i think it was high school he started getting invitations to teach and he'd start to prepare a teaching then he'd hand in me dad dad give me feedback well, that didn't last too long. Pretty quickly, he didn't need my feedback. He was better than me, smarter than me. He can teach without notes and everything, and he, uh, I'm impressed. And uh, But now I've wised up that when I have an important teaching, I run it by him and say, Robbie, give me your feedback. And a few years ago, got asked uh, to speak at a church about conflict in Israel. I can't remember two, three, four years ago when there was other conflict. So I ran it by Ravi and said, give me your input, anything right or wrong here, anything I'm missing. And he told me I needed to, whenever I would talk about Israel, Joshua, they're moving towards Jericho. And uh, Joshua meets up with his commander of the Lord of hosts, who's got a sword in his hand. And Joshua sees him and he says, are you for us? Or against us, for us or for our enemies. He's got a sword, you know, what, what's going on here? And and the commander says, neither. 
I'm not for you or for your enemies. I'm not taking sides. Mm -hmm. But then three or so verses later, they blow the shofar and the walls come crashing down and God gives them the land of Jericho. And so Ravi said to me, is that just because God gives the Jewish people some land, gives them anything, it doesn't mean he loves the Jews and hates the Arabs or hates anyone else. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. I haven't heard anybody say that. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. No, but no commentary, nothing. That is... Yeah. We want your son on the show. Yeah. <laughs> the <commentary>. <laughs> <laughs> These Robbie two will let, will let yeah, our kids youngins. talk. Yeah. Just sit there with my jaw dropped in awe. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so uh, it was great. He said to share that. And then as well directed me in Acts 17, God made every nation of mankind to mm-hmm. live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. God's mm. has boundaries for every nation. Mm. Yeah. And so we may sit there, or at least me, I look and I see being Jewish that God had some boundaries that he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But this scripture here in Acts tells us God has land set apart for every nation, mm. not just the Jewish people, but every. He's created every nation, mm. and he cares for every group of people, every nation. And he has a homeland for all of us. He has provision for all of us. Mm. And Ravi told me as well, those were two things that it's important to share when talking about the conflict that just keeps resurfacing in Israel and Mm. actually never goes away. It just calms down out of the crisis, uh, uh, but never sadly completely disappears. I've I've seen, you know, we in the West are, are... Christianity is tied a lot to Israel, and we have um, historically been friends of Israel and um, and supporters of Israel. And then for me, it was interesting because in Bible college, um, I'll, I'll tell this story because we, we have a friend that may join this podcast. We, you know that. Um, we're not sure if it's going to be this podcast or the next, but... He, um, I got to tell the story of how we met. I'll tell it again if it's just his podcast. But I, I had sprained my ankle really bad first year at college. And um, so I'm on crutches. And one day it's Saturday. I got a pile of clothes that need to be washed. But it, it was a pretty bad sprain. And this guy pokes his head in my room and uh, says, um, do, you, do your clothes need to be washed? I was like, yeah. And he grabs them and leaves. <laughs> and I'm like, welcome by like <laughs> that was weird. And I've not, I'd seen the guy around and he looked different. I knew he was a different nationality and had a different kind of accent. And, uh, and he just took off with my clothes. Now this is before, you know, like the Arab conflict was a, a big thing, you know, that, that, I mean, it probably has always been around, but it wasn't in my mind at all. And, uh, and, uh, I'm like it's late in the afternoon and I'm wondering how am I going to find my clothes? What is, what's <laughs> happened? Like they're gone and they show back up and they're washed and ironed and folded. And I was like, ironed, ironed. I'm oh, pretty sure. Don't I mean, like, but I, I remember they like were they were so neat. Yeah. Oh. And I was just like, I have found my new best friend. What is your name? <laughs> <laughs> Fareed Shahada. And and uh, and honestly, we did. We became like best friends. 
and uh, it must have been from my pure selfishness. Oh, I don't know, so but I've told people he was more like Jesus. But it's interesting because it it opened my eyes to the other side, and I and friends of mine that I've seen making comments and posts like anti anti Palestinian. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I would be laughing and in full agreement with that if I didn't have a best friend that I know is not like all those jokes and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and uh, have you ever known any Palestinians personally in your no, life? No, I don't think so. No, I grew up knowing almost no black people. Like the ones that in school, they always sat over there and we sat over here. And in my classes, there might be one. And it was the prettiest girl from the cheerleading squad that was black. And one of the top athletes that happened to be smarter. Why we were in different classes, I don't know, because schools had been desegregated. But as a rule, like I didn't know any, but I had fear. Of them there were walls um yeah ha, ha, what have you grown up thinking about or processing in terms of palestinians in you know just before mm-hmm. yeah i mean probably growing up just jewish without messiah uh probably just would hear very uh you know anti-arab palestinian uh i can even remember I won't quote the rabbi exactly, but the synagogue I grew up in, uh, Yom Kippur, most Jews just drop into services two days a year, Rosh Hashanah, (laughs) Yom Kippur in September, like people that that visit church on Christmas and Easter. And uh, so then the rabbi, I remember our rabbi, at least growing up, he would preach for like up to an hour. And most of the people were were secular. We we none of us were interested in an hour teaching. We just wanted to pay our dues for our religious holiday and mm. get out of there. And he just was like, "I'm only seeing you these two days. I'm, I'm going to take <laughs> advantage of, of this." Yeah. And see, so teach for like an hour, but he sat there, and on Yom Kippur, the holiest day, called Arabs uh, not a nice word, mm. and I was shocked. Mm. It, it got under my skin and I just said, I, really? that's not right. I was, I think, early college. Wow. My grandmother, actually, I remember she didn't live in our neighborhood, but for some reason that year, at least she'd come and spent the day with us and went to temple with us. Because I can remember telling my grandmother, I was appalled mm. that the rabbi could say something like that mm. uh, about other people. And- Stunned and shocked. For you and and our guests, I'm I'm connect communicating with with uh, my friend who's in Haifa, um, and uh, I'll, I'll take care of it. So you had you had come to know Jesus before college, a couple like a right year before college, and you I were, just didn't tell my family until <laughs> I graduated. <laughs> and you had, if I remember correctly, you had really you were reading the Bible every year, right? You were reading the whole yep. Bible every year, and so you were you're not going off experience or teaching as much because at this point, I don't think you were getting, you were pretty much letting the Bible be your teacher in most, in most everything. Yeah. As Richie mentioned earlier, you know, when it comes to Israel or a few other topics, there are Christians that are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, one of the things that helped me was being raised Jewish. I didn't, I wasn't raised in a church. 
So I didn't have denominational uh, church doctrine of a particular group. I just then come to faith and read the Bible without any church indoctrination, any denominational input. And so I just read the Bible to see what the Bible said yeah. and just would see, well, this is what the Bible says, whatever the topic is, and said, okay, then that's what it is. And so uh, I was able to look at things just at face value wow. from the Bible without the influence of Christian teachers. And so the family that helped me come to faith just said, read the Bible, start to finish Genesis to Revelations every year. I did what they said and took it at face value and said, okay, this is it. Whether I like it or not, whether I'm comfortable or not, uh, this is what it says. And this is what I have to embrace as true. And if I'm struggling with it for some reason, I've just got to work through it because I'm in error or I'm uncomfortable, but God is correct. Yeah. So you have a, um, a, uh, your rabbi tell, speaks evil of Arabs. Yeah, he spoke evil. And it didn't set right with you. It did not. And I told my grandmother, and she was shocked that I would say such a thing. Uh, uh, and, and and I just was appalled wow. at what he said. And uh, there was not, it wasn't a Bible study. It was even just talking about other things. But in it, he, he just brought up Arabs and was derogatory, mean, rude, disrespectful. We're going to add our headphones. Okay. And I was just appalled. It just, how could, how could a rabbi say something like that about, I understand there's great tension. So this would have been very early, if it was early college. We're talking somewhere in 1981, 82. Uh, I don't know where things were uh, with any, you know, in Israel at that moment, but it still, it just was appalling. It, and to say it from the pulpit on the holiest day of the year. Yeah. Wow. Was that something that culturally was taught, like caught, taught also when people that you experienced growing up in New York, or is that, was that kind of your first exposure to something that extreme? That was probably a uh, first exposure. But I mean, New York City back growing up as, you know, in the 1970s, this is very early 80. Uh, what you have is there was such hatred and racism. A anybody had issues with anybody who was different. Yeah. Wow. And it didn't matter whether it was skin color, religion, culture, Irish, Italian. There was it was so easy and natural in the 1970s, at least when I was growing oh, yeah. up, that people just hated anybody else could easily do that. Yeah. And it was just part of the culture. And, and that may be one of a few reasons my father said that years later, he told me when I went upstate New York to Cortland for college, he knew I wouldn't come back to the city. Huh. Uh, I just I, that lifestyle was not for me. And that was one of the things I, I wasn't a fighter, and so I didn't want to get hurt and killed myself. And so I was like, "I get out of here," and uh, and it just it was not the lifestyle to just live in fear and hate other people. It was just yeah. nothing that I was comfortable with or desired to be part of my life. That's yeah. crazy because that's New York. That's not even over in in that area. Yes. Well, well you want to go ahead and introduce? Yeah, I kind of did introduce. Now, Farid hasn't been able to hear us. Um, but, and we can't, I can't hear him through our headphones, so I don't you know. Should, you no, should be able to hear him. I'm not saying anything. Oh, I mean, I can hear him. I can't hear us. That's oh, what I meant. Oh, no, he should, can hear us. Okay. So, um, 
Yeah, Fareed was my best friend in college. I kind of told that story about you stealing my clothes. Yeah, I heard that was it. my first. I heard <laughs> you did hear. Okay, and uh, and and uh, my choice at new best friends. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we spent a lot of time together. We would pray together. In fact. In fact, I, tongues for me was one of those things that I kept completely hidden. I just never did it. I was so unsure about it. It had happened for me my first year of college. And I was like, is this real? Is this not real? And, and, and Fareed's Anglican background. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Hi. A- Hi Anglican everybody. background and, uh, but a prayer warrior. And I was like, um, I, I was wrestling with it because we would be praying and all of a sudden I'd, pray a little bit in tongues kind of under my breath. And then, I, and then I'd be like, I don't know what the steal is, why this happens. And he was just like, it happens when we're praying. And that's what, you know, and so I was like, he, he was the one that kind of, which is kind of weird, an Anglican helping a Baptist <laughs> be comfortable praying in tongues at a Bible college that, that is like, like a bad joke to almost a bad cessation. Joke. There are so many of my stories that sound like the start of a bad joke, like, or a fun, yeah, you know, just off the wall God journey. And so... Um, Andrew was the one that actually had the idea of having you two on and, and it was, and and it was with Thanksgiving in mind because it was when two different people groups came together and the Israel Palestinian conflict right now is one of the biggest things in the news. It's the biggest thing in our minds. And, um, and we were like, and and so it, it you know th- this is amazing to have you two because i i love both of you i love your spirits i trust you both and even what you were just sharing like like you're being taught as a kid or you're a young adult at that point how to look at arabs um and and right now we've got and and you've never had a friend or in, in your life that was arab not that I'm aware of. Wow. But now you have me, Robbie. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to come to Haifa and visit Please you. Do. Be Please do. So amazing. So Farid is joining us from Haifa, Israel. Got to visit him in his home, which was huge because we've been best friends for a long time. And I only got to is- go to Israel once. And he lives in a Jewish um, community. And uh, he got his degrees over here in the U.S., both Bible college and a counseling degree over here. He's been a Christian counselor. And you have worked closely with all different kinds of people. Yes. And, yeah. and I just know your heart. I, I, I've told people you're more like Jesus. And I, and I was like, as I was thinking about that, I was like, Ron, I would put into that category as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with this time. It's going my, to be a great think, time, I think. It, it is. Amen. Yes. amen. amen. My, my thing is, so often I see polarization, you know, at least in our culture, right? And there's no honor to the other side. That, that's something that I see you know, so often. The Bible is very clear. You honor everyone. You honor everyone better than yourself. Jesus is washing people's feet. When you, you see the way, you know, even like you talked about the passage in Joshua, like, I'm not for you. I'm not against you. There was honor given to everyone. Amen. The Gentiles. Jesus honored Gentiles. Jesus honored That's Gentiles. That's us. That's me. Yeah. yeah. And so I see, I see a, a biblical 
uh, I, I see people can take the Bible and, and swing to one side for for every different thing, but I see honor as a as a as a normal practice in the Bible, and it's something that I don't see happening in this. Mm-hmm. And I see some people who maybe don't want to condemn either side or don't want to be that, but they don't they don't feel informed, they don't feel they don't have empathy, they don't have connection to even what's going on, they don't trust the media because. The media is polarizing. Most media has an agenda one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to connecting, how do I pray? How do I, you know, support what, what, what as, as a Christian, how do I, as a Christian respond to this whole situation? And I'm like, instead of us giving our opinions as, you know, the, the least politically correct white male Christians, you know, like nobody wants to hear what we have to say. I want to bring in people who have connection, people who we can hear both sides. We can hear what they've experienced. We can, we can listen, we can learn. Instead of being opinionated, we can be informed and we can learn how to honor people. That would be my heart of anything. I would guarantee you two are going to probably have very different opinions in some areas. But the cool thing is I, I know at the foundation you guys yeah. are are both walking with Jesus and Fareed's laying on his side right now. <laughs> no, I don't know what happened to that picture. I'm sorry. It's I'm not, no, no, no. I'm no good technically. I said that. <laughs> no, it's it's all good. It, it's happening. Here I am. Here I am. I'm I'm straight now again. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. No, no problem. You're good. You're good. Yeah. So Fareed, no. what has what has been what has been your experience since the, the since the events that happened? Was that last month or well, over a month yeah, now? Over a month. Well, and you could tell us some of your background too. Yes, yes. I, I, I would like to start from what Andrew you have said about uh, uh, how we ought to look at things. Uh, I am always reminded. Uh, with the verse that is in the book of Acts that says that God is not a God of partiality. And this is a very important statement for us as a human beings every time we look at one another. And um, this, is, this is, for me, a major issue. And we can see this as well on the cross. Nobody, none of the Gospels mentions actually the background or religion of the two thieves. Okay, they might be Jews, they might be non-Jews as well, uh, because they were thieves, they were crucified with with Jesus. And to connect it with uh, stealing Richard's clothes, well, I thought... (laughs) I thought you are Jesus, and I wanted to steal heaven, but it didn't work. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, th- this, is, this is my perspective on things, and I heard uh, uh, our brother, Robbie, uh, that uh, he grew up in, a, in a, an atmosphere where uh, maybe he was not told all the story or he actually was, and, and correct me please if I'm mistaken, this is what I understood, that to hate the others, the Arabs, the, the, uh, the non-Jew. On the other side, I grew up in a family which is a Christian family, okay, Anglican family, but our heritage goes back to hundreds of years as Christians in this land, and it's recorded in churches and many things. I don't want to go into this, but I grew up in an atmosphere that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And it doesn't matter who is the neighbor. Uh, 
if he's a Jew, a Muslim, a Druze, a, a, a Catholic, an Orthodox, whatever it is, you ought to love humans because, and this is what my mother always emphasized, saying, because they are on the image of God, and this is all what matters. Mm. You know, so mm. this is the background I come from. And um, to go back to your question, Andrew, the situation today is actually not honoring the image of God in every human being. And this is where I told Richard the first call. He called me to ask of us or about us. I said, I'm in desperate pain and agony because we are horrendously uh, immutilating. I think this is the word, the right word. You know, this, this, drawing the image of God. And that's mm. what really hurts for me because I grew up with this since my childhood. My, my family were a praying family, especially my grandmother. She really em emphasized and insisted that we read the Bible as kids. We, we pray for others, for the hungry and the needy. And then, though we were hungry and needy as well as a family living in Israel, but you know, but it's okay. We, we learned that that we all supposed to be in the same boat or ship, whatever you want to call it. So looking at today, this is what really is, is my heartache, my concern, is humans are dying on both sides, and both are loved by Christ. And as John says, for God so loved the world, you know, he sent his only son, to die for all of us. It doesn't matter if he's a Jew, a Muslim, a Kurdi, an Hindu, Hindu, whatever it is. God loves us all. And this is where, for me, it, it really, when I want to explain myself, I always say, this is where it hurts, in the core of a humanity uh, who is made on the image of God. Mm. I hope I've answered your question. Oh, that, was, that was a very, very good answer. Um, how, so you grew up in, you've been, lived in Israel most of your life, except for when you were in the States for, yes, for college? Yes, I was born, raised up in Israel. Uh, as I said, my family goes back to at least 400 and more years wow. in, wow. in Israel, Palestine, whatever you want to call it, Ottoman Empire. They were Christians as well. I mean, uh, nominal from uh, other church families, I call them, not evangelicals, but part of my family became evangelicals and my father's uncles became actually the first evangelicals in the country, but then in 1948, they were sent out, I don't want to say other word, to Lebanon, Syria, Gaza, whatever it is. So we, we have a part of the family in Gaza, we have a part in Lebanon, we have a part in, in Egypt, Jordan, and some in Latin America. And even in America, we have a family in California. So it's, it's all scattered. But uh, yes, we've lived here. Our history goes back to here. And uh, of course, Arabic might be the language of the land, but that time, but they kept their Christian faith and it was costly life, by the way. We, we've had, as Christians, we've had a very costly life among Muslim rule or in the middle of Muslim rule. And then 
the English mandate came and didn't treat the Palestinians really well. And then Israel in 1948 came and they established the Jewish state. And uh, it's a painful history. <laughs> yes. How many Christians are, are Palestinian Christians are there in Israel? Right now, there are 128,000 in Israel, which they make 2% of the population, something like that, or 1.7% of the population. Muslims are around 1.3 million. The Jews are around 7 million people. So this is, this is more or less the, the, la the latest numbers of uh, last, new year, last Jewish or Hebrew New Year, which was... In I would have... I would have never guessed there was 128,000 mm -hmm. Palestinian Christians living in Israel. Now, when you say Palestinian Christians in Israel, it's inside Israel. It doesn't include Jerusalem, nor the West Bank, nor Gaza. So, wow. which are, their numbers are much smaller than that. However, they, they do exist. Like in okay. Jerusalem alone, there is a whole, Jerusalem is divided into four quarters. There is a quarter, I, 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 I believe Rabbi knows that, uh, Rabbi uh, Ben. It's Rabbi Ron. Ron, yep. Ron, not Ben, I'm sorry. Ron. Rabbi Ron. Um, well, Ruben. Uh, Ruben, yes. Um, <laughs> well, this is good, a, a good connection of the two things. Ruben, um, there are four quarters, and one of the most famous and prominent quarter in Jerusalem is called the Christians' Quarter. So Christians has been there for since who knows when, since uh, uh, the mother of Constantine, the emperor of Rome, came to Jerusalem. So, wow. yes. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that's pretty crazy. I... I... Now, Farid, you've worked with all different populations. What kind of work have you done? Because you did a lot that was geared to help establish more peace, didn't you? Yeah, in many ways, yes. I've worked, I've worked of course, with the Arab Palestinians from all, all uh, background faiths, let's call it. Okay, we have Muslims, we have Druze. I don't know how much you know about Druze, which are another 120,000 almost people in the land. The Druze religion, actually, all the Druze immigrated from Lebanon in the 18th century to here to live on the top of the mountains in Israel. And um, I worked with the Jewish people. Uh, I have very good Jewish friends and Messianic friends as well. And a matter of fact, yesterday I had one of my Messianic sisters coming to eat dinner with us because this is how we do here. I mean, I don't allow conflicts to do to disperse us or to separate us because, again, I'm saying I was raised like that, so we invited her and she came on train, we picked her up, we had dinner, we took her back home, and uh, another travel of one hour. But this is, this is the beauty of being uh, um, a person that obeys or lives by the standards of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. So my work was actually as a psychologist. I'm also a licensed psychologist in Israel. Uh, 
my degree in the States was, or actually was split into two. I received an, a master's degree in, in psychology and a master's degree, or almost a master's degree in pastoral counseling. And this is when I returned in 1990 to Israel to serve the Lord here because I love my people. I love the people of Israel, everybody here. As, and as I said, I worked with everybody. In a matter of fact, last year, in November last year, almost this time, I resigned from my last public job, and it was in a Jewish uh, city near Haifa, where I worked with kids from seventh grade to the twelfth grade as a psychologist. So mm. this is, yes, and I always established a, a peace, and I love peace because that Prince of Peace is my Lord, and I want to be like Amen. 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 Well, one other thing I want to ask is, so a lot of people have a hard time separating Hamas and Palestinian and Arab. Um, clarify some of that for us. Wow, this is this is one of the <laughs> questions that I didn't expect to hear now. But but I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. If you feel safe talking, yes, about exactly. It. As I, are, are, because being Palestinian, does that make you Hamas? No. Not every Palestinian is a Hamas. <laughs> okay, my okay. Really? <laughs> really? Yes. I know that. Yes. I know that. But people <laughs> use those terms interchangeably, yeah, so that's why. Educate and yeah. Yeah. clarify to people. Yeah. They're not the same, yep. yeah. I didn't think. No, no, no. We're, we're, they're not the same. Uh, Hamas was established only 30 years ago, and Palestinians mm. have been here for hundreds of years. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go into the issue of whose land is this because I'm not going to argue about this. There are theological perspectives about it. But Palestinians have been here and they were called Palestinians even during the Ottoman Empire. And the Ottoman Empire hated us. Uh, they still don't like the Arabs, Turks, Arabs, history. You know, it's all history. It's, it's a region of bloodshed, I always call it. Mm. And this is why I always pray, Lord, please give us peace in our hearts and minds to be able to reflect a different perspective, a different behavior and, 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 and way of doing things. So, no, Hamas is only three, 30 years ago was established. Not every Palestinian is a Hamas. And by the way, I want to say something even more than that, a little bit. Uh, not every Hamas is a Palestinian. So... Hmm. That's yeah. it. And Hamas is a very radical group, even among Islam. And when October 7th took place, uh, the massacre that took place on October 7th, all Arab Knesset members, Knesset is the Israeli parliament, all Arab Knesset members um, condemned the act. So Palestinians are not criminals. <laughs> Palestinians are normal people. And most of the Arab-Israeli uh, uh, Knesset members um, are Muslims because they are the majority among Arabs. However, they condemned the act. And the one Christian condemned it really hard, saying this is a massacre, this is an accepted act. You see, we all condemned it. Even our, our evangelical uh, convention condemned it in Israel and Jordan and Palestine. So it's not something that we should keep quiet about.
from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just to clarify, you're saying that there's Palestinians in government in Israel. Well, they're not in government. They are in parliament. We've never had the opportunity to be in government only for one year with the last uh, government that was established by Benny Gantz and uh, Lapid uh, for one year, one year, three months, but then the government failed and we had a new elections. Just to remind you, Israel in the past five years had more than five elections or six years. We had five elections. Wow. So, yes, yes, the Knesset, okay, okay. the government okay. fails and, and something like that. So, but government and it's not really government. It's a just uh, a vote to support the government from outside. We have never had any kind of input or impact inside governments because the, we are the minority and they usually prefer yeah. to have a government made up of the what they call Zionist uh, parties. Okay. Okay. This is, this is a very abstract question. Uh, you know, it's not gonna be very, you know, concrete answer, but what percentage of people that you talk to in Israel have hatred, have misunderstanding, or actually have, or, or don't have hatred, but because of the emotionalized, pressurized situation, it creates situations. What, what has been your experience? Well, in a way, it is an abstract, but let me take you a little bit before October 7th. Life here is very good. People, people can live together. I mean, my two adult children, when they go to cafes or to places where usually young people go, they, they sit on the same table with a Jewish, Muslim, Christian, everybody. We, there is, there is no, People, when you take politics outside of the picture, let me put it like that. When you take politics outside of the picture, people can survive together. Uh, and there is now even many, many people among the Jews and the Arabs that they are saying, we have failed. We have failed to allow hatred to fester amongst us in the past 47, 48 days. Uh, but there is a lot of it, by the way. And uh, that's it. I don't want to add anymore. No, that, that was a very good answer. Do you feel like it's more political than it is religion or emotional? It's religious, political. It's, uh, yeah. Okay, it's all of it. It's, it's all of it. No, not emotional. I think emotions, people are mature enough, especially adults, to deal with it. However, the problem is actually political, religious. And I want to exceptionally say that Christians are not involved on the religious part of it because we're not, how I want to put it, we're not um, um, kind of fanatic. Uh, Christianity in this land has never been fanatic. And that's the beauty of it. Because... Uh, for example, I can give a very fast and short example. Uh, my grandparents lived inside a house uh, where one room uh, lived a Jewish family. This is before 1948. In one room, this is the same house, lived a Muslim family and my grandparents with their kids. And sometimes the kids, the boys, all of them will go into one room and sleep in one room. And the girls from all the three religions, 
So Christians have never festered or worked towards building hate. They actually were and still are the peacemakers in this land. Mm. The bridge, I, the bridge builders. That's good. I, I would love you. You kind of we we were doing an interview with you to start. With Robin, sure yeah. Farid was gonna. If <laughs> Farid was be able to join us. And uh, and uh, and and uh, I didn't know because we hadn't had a chance to talk. This kind of came together pretty quickly. I love the idea, uh, and uh, and and so you know, I just asked the question at the beginning of this: Have you known any? This may be the biggest interaction you've had with an Arab or Palestinian. Um, give me your response. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Yeah, it's the. Uh yeah, the only one I could recollect and remember is wow. this conversation with you uh, as a friend. Yeah. Uh, at USF, when I did the local college, there was antagonism between Jews and Arabs. And so I witnessed that on campus personally, but and but never had the chance. I kept asking people, listen, I'm not a, a politician. I, I'm not a a member of the military, the IDF in Israel, so I don't have anything to do with decisions. <laughs> and I said, but we, we don't, you don't trust me. I said, so I'm not involved in that. I said, can't we just go out and have some falafel, sit down and become a friend? <laughs> uh, and Let's eat, do that. You know, can, we, can you join us for some falafels? And then we could become friends and learn to trust one another because neither one of us is making a decision anyway about land or anything else. Mm -hmm. So let's develop trust. And if we actually develop mm -hmm. trust and, and respect for one another, maybe things could be different. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be an important part of it. Uh, so that was one thing. And then as well, something that uh, he brought up that, so from circles that I'm familiar with or I see posted, uh, where uh, on Facebook and uh, other other people here that I know would, would post maps and sit there and put their perspective and say, here's what they see the Bible has as boundaries, so to say. Yeah. Oh, and and so they would say rule who we you know Jews are to rule but one of the things i've never heard mentioned and always wondered is what was brought up here you did a few moments ago and so even despite that or as well on top of that is as you've mentioned that there've been palestinians living there though for 400 years and that's not been part of the conversation their mindset is very uh, focused and single focus. This is their understanding of boundaries, ultimate boundaries yeah. of the Jewish nation. And yes, that's one part if you understand that in scripture. But another equally true statement is, yes, there have been Arabs, Palestinians living there alongside Jews for hundreds of years. So that complicates the issue here. Yeah. Forget about rulership, etc. The there have been Arabs, Palestinians living there. So you can't just, for any reason, say, get out of your house. Not only get out of your house, get out of the country. That's unhuman. It's not yes. loving. Mm -hmm. and, and so, therefore, there's this whole other dimension that here we have people living here, and they need to be free and protected. And somehow, this needs to be worked in the process. And once again, then it brings me, I'm glad I'm not a politician then, yeah. that I don't have to figure <laughs> oh, it no. out and oh, come up no. with the solution. Yes.
Ruben, this is this is amazing what you are saying, brother. I I just want to tell you, I mean, seven hundred thousand Palestinians were desperate or sent out uh, of Israel in nineteen forty eight or of Palestine, and uh, seven hundred thousand. Can you imagine? This is this is a huge a lot number of people. And they are all refugees all around the Arab world, Europe, whatever it is, America, Latin America. Uh, and this is the issue today, the political issue, whether they come back, though Israel said that they should come back in 1948, we will allow them to come back, but it never happened. Now, with due respect, any Jewish person, I, I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, and he's not Jewish. He actually, uh, how do you call it, converted to Judaism, okay? And now she wants all the Arabs out of the country. Uh, so when she was asked, why? You're a Christian and you just came, became a Jew. Because I think she thinks that this land belongs to the Jews and Arabs shouldn't be here. So when I told her, well, but Arabs has been here 400 years. So she tells me this is a lie, okay? So there is, there is the, you know, the story, the, the issue of his story, history, it's his story. Who writes yeah. the story? And that's the that's problem. Very true. And that's, yeah, that's the problem. True. So usually I say to people, come with me and I'll take you to the church's records. Church's records doesn't lie. We have books. <laughs> I mean, I, I discovered books inside my Anglican church from 19. 1868, when Anglicans started to minister in Israel, and the names of the people who were baptized and who got married, you know, all these wow. records yeah. from 1868, 1872. Uh, I, I even discovered the date of my parents' wedding in the Anglican church in Haifa. Wow, so, that's cool. So, I mean, uh, and my father was born here, uh, baptized here, so, and he's much older than the state of Israel. But, uh, I mean, you can't come and change the story. And what you are saying is really major here, that people are people. You cannot deny them their right to stay or to leave. I mean, I'm saying this uh, on one side, and you cannot rob them their equality, you cannot rob them justice, you cannot rob them honor, you cannot rob them dignity. And to my great sorrow, I could say in one word, we are robbed of all of this as Arab. Mm. And that's the sad thing. Mm. And that's what the world doesn't understand. Now, if I want to argue whose land is this, I'm not going to argue because I really will leave it to God. When we get there, I'll understand what is happening about this. But today I want to live, I want to live in peace with my Jewish neighbor. And by the way, as Richard said, I live in a Jewish neighborhood. In my building, there are only two Arab families and there is 36 uh, apartments here. <laughs> Okay, I got a couple of questions for each of you. How, if someone off the street doesn't know anything about this, right? But they say, "Hey, I love Jesus." What would what would you feel like I can do, right? There's Christians who care about people. We're supposed to love and honor everyone. What would be your your two minute 
call and I want to hear from both of you. What would be your two minute? I, I would guess so. We've got to at least, you know, I I can only change what's within my reach in mm. my circle, my realm of influence. Uh, and so the opportunity would be is can I find some Arabs to have falafel with? Can we develop mm -hmm. a friendship? I'm not going to necessarily have an interreligious Jewish, Christian, Muslim service, but, can, but we could become humans and friends yeah. and try to find ways to do that and, and believe that at least our world can change. We may not be able to change the world, but if we do that, and if enough people did that, but there might be some That's noticeable powerful. change in the oh, world. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Uh, and as well... The other thought would be is that I think Paul said something like whatever is within your ability or power to per, uh, to, uh, to pursue peace, do. So I, I need to do something mm. within my realm mm. to pursue peace. But at the same time, looking at scriptures, well, I, I, I see that there will always be a lack of peace until the end when Jesus, the Prince of yeah. Peace, returns. Amen. And then he rules and he will bring world peace. And, and so therefore, one is pray that people can get him within the heart, can mm. trust in Yeshua, Jesus. Then they and God can somehow give them peace amidst the chaos and suffering and hatred and fighting in the world. But as well, pray for the Prince of Peace to come so he can finally bring peace. It's another reason to remind me, pray for the Prince of Peace to return Amen. because he's our ultimate only answer. Amen. Yes. I love that answer. I see Christians so often, like we we can focus on like a big political, like let's just take the United States, like the like the United States as a nation has to operate this way and be this Christian and do this. And I never see Jesus say, "Hey, let's talk to these politicians, let's try to change these laws, let's focus on that." He met with people and he changed individual Amen. people's life. And he he went and had dinner with Zacchaeus and he told his apostles to go to other people's house and by one by one by one change people and what happened to the entire world from one person meeting with one-on-one -on -one doing that so what you're saying i think is like beyond world changing amen when it comes to connection and i think if every palestinian arab got a chance to meet you and talk with you and have falafel with you there would be so much connection change because of the love and the empathy that you operate with. And I feel the same way with, with Fareed, that the, if you're able to sit down with every jew and have falafel like it would i think it would change the world and so amen in our own world, if we can do that, if Christians can do that, oof, oof. that's powerful. Yes. <laughs> so what's your two minutes? No, I'll give, only, I'll give only 10 seconds. And he, <laughs> Jesus, was rooming, making disciples or actually serving people. I, I think of Jesus when he was traveling around and the Bible says, and his heart or he had mercy, compassion towards people. I personally believe if we use our compassion, our, the emotion that is gifted to us by God and love, I think we will make a whole change in the world. Amen. Amen. So one of the things that's been on my heart especially for you, Fareed, is I have witnessed my American Christian friends um, posting kind of anti-Palestinian stuff. And, and 
and and some are really dear friends of mine who I know their character and I'm going, this is not like them. And part of that is because they don't know you. They don't know Palestinians. And it grieves my heart because I know the first time I can ever remember you saying, I feel depressed was one of our early phone calls after the conflict arose. Um, and, and, uh, We've called each other David and Jonathan and argue who's David and who's Jonathan. You're David. Um, you're the blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but the, um, um, yeah, it just grieves my heart. I, I want to stand in the gap and repent for how we have been ignorant mm-hmm. um, regarding the plight of your people um, and how we have judged your people wrongly um, and put them all into one camp. And, and it, and it was reflective to me of God's used me a lot to bridge gaps and work with African-American people here in America and travel to Africa. But growing up, I had preconceived ideas that mostly came from the media. I realized I didn't. And, and it, and it's weird. The media never said black people are horrible. It was just every TV show. They were killing, you know, white people and they were all selling drugs and whatever it was, you know, that's affected my perspective. And so I was afraid to walk on that part of campus where most of them hung out thinking I might get stabbed or I, it wasn't conscious. I wasn't like, but I, you know, I walked a little more briskly and typically avoided it. And I had no reason to. There was zero reason to. They were amazing people and I've gotten to build amazing friendships. Um, and and so uh, I, I am so glad to have today a Jewish uh, rabbi, brother in Christ, and a Palestinian uh, like Jesus brother in Christ, um, and have you guys on this podcast. It feels like an honor Mm -hmm. and um, something that Andrew's idea to do this around Thanksgiving um, because we had Native Americans and Europeans. We weren't Americans Mm -hmm. um, coming together um, over food. Falafel. I don't think they had falafel. <laughs> hummus, hummus. One, but yeah, hummus and hummus would be nice. at, at the first Thanksgiving. That would be amazing to to have falafel Thanksgiving and dinner together. Yeah, falafel yeah, and some friends. lamb and uh, yeah, and and you guys grew up probably eating a lot of the same stuff. True. Well, when I will come to the states to you, I will make for you the real homemade falafel and hummus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you will enjoy it, and I'll keep statues of it for you. And <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, when, when we were in Israel, that's what we ate almost every lunch. They set up yeah. like a falafel bar, yeah, and wherever we would be going. And I remember being like, I would eat this every lunch yeah. for the yes. rest of my life. Well, this Andrew, it's not amazing. like homemade falafel. You have to taste the I, homemade I, falafel. I, I, I believe it would win. I believe yours would win for sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the food in Israel was was amazing. Yes. We loved it. Um, well, I'm impressed with both of you taking, uh, first off, putting up with my dad and liking my dad, but taking his call <laughs> during this situation and being like, I'm willing to, to sit and talk and discuss and be humble and listen. And I mean, I, I can't, 
I don't watch all the news and I don't watch all social media. I see nothing even close to respect or connection. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen anything, but that's what I've seen from this. And the fact that you guys want to sit down and, and everything like beyond a civil conversation, like honor and love has just been awesome. Yeah. So, uh, it would be interesting to have them on again uh, and do some other stuff. I, I will tell you, that my, I was reading the Bible, and I, you've heard this story before. Now you'll you'll meet the person, and uh, I'm reading about Feast of Tabernacles and this being an eternal covenant, and I'm like going, "What does the word eternal mean?" And I got a friend that clepped out of 15 hours of Hebrew <laughs> in uh, college, and that was Farid, and uh, you got to be pretty good. And it was weird because it was like, so he knows modern Hebrew. And there's a jump to classical Hebrew, which is what you're studying. But he was able to, to clip out of 15 hours. So he was my go-to guy. Plus, he lived in Israel. So he he and then our, one of our professors, Brian Byers, were the ones that helped me get an idea of what Feast of Tabernacles would look like. And then we pulled it off. Yes. And, uh, and, and it was amazing. We did it several – it lasted after we graduated for a year or two. But wow. because the visionaries, the ones that had the vision weren't there, it, it, it you know, it's petered out. Yeah. And it was years before I picked it back up because the churches I was a part of, I could go, hey, there's this really amazing thing. And it was always rejected. But um, and and now Rabbi Ron's kind of my go-to for for um, our feasts, wow. different feasts. But that would be amazing to 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 do a you know even a feast one together where we got someone who lives in the land talking about that perspective and and uh, and you because um, we're gonna. Ha I, I actually was thinking what I'd love to do on a Sunday night is set up a podcast on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And do it podcast with our group, a live and, studio and audience, a live uh, podcast. So it may be—I don't know if Hanukkah is something you feel versed in, but it would still be cool to have an Arab join us. And it would—you'd uh, it, it'd be the middle of the night for you, so it probably would not be your best <laughs> time uh, to to join us. But we would at least give you the invitation. Do you want to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and join us on a podcast? I I don't know. We'll we'll think about it when we'll it see. If I'm yeah, on holiday, if I'm on holiday, I may be able to do it. You know, I will have to take holiday the next day because, uh, as Farid functions, <laughs> if I don't get my seven hours of sleep, no function. Your beauty <laughs> sleep <laughs> somehow. <laughs> so yeah, I wish we could go right now and grab us some. Uh, falafel and I, I think coffee should, con leche. I think we should plan. A, I think we should plan a trip. I oh, think yeah. we should take a trip to where? To to Israel. We should bring a group of people and have oh, you two goodness. lead the trip. Wow, oh, man, that would and be so. Something. There'd be the difference, as you mentioned. I mean, you're you're fluent with Hebrew, modern and classical. I'm an American Jew, which means I can read Hebrew with the Nuku, the vowels. <laughs> But it's not my, uh, you know, and I could look up Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and see what they say the definition is. But then I have the American culture, Jewish cultural experience. Yeah. Uh, and you've got the knowledge of Hebrew as and well as land. Bible and everything else as well. And the two together, we we could. Uh, oh, my goodness. Have some nice well, diverse crazy. parts well, of If it. you're listening well, to this and you think that would be fun, you're going to have to comment and say you'll sign up and you'll come. But that well, would be. Yeah. Andrew, I want to challenge your audience a little bit even more. I had a dream, mm. and my dream is still there. 
and I'm not going to give up on it until I go home, home, heaven. My dream is to bring Jewish and American people to come from abroad, young, youngsters, adults, Palestinians, and Palestinian Arabs from inside Israel and Jewish from inside Israel, mm -hmm. and have a meeting together, mm -hmm. uh, to meet together, to eat together, to, to commute together, to live together for a week, even if we will do it only for youth. This, is, this, this has been my dream for 33 years since I returned from the state. Oh, wow. And, but it takes a lot of financial, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but however, this is one of the things that I'm challenging myself still with to have groups and make them sit together, be together, and, you know, where they can learn about one another and as as richard uh, said at some point that maybe we need to learn to ask forgiveness from one another but more than that reconcile with one another despite the mm -hmm. di differences despite the politics and the media and all of these things mm -hmm. yeah the other thing is we'd love to have farid come to the u.s yes. and uh we are praying for the Lord's provision to help make that happen. That would be amazing too. And uh, would definitely want to have you guys uh, together um, if, when, when Fareed comes here. So the trip over there, we took a group of 80 plus. Yeah. We're, we're not sure. We we're trying to remember to Israel. Oh my goodness. I can't remember what year that was many years ago and uh, from all over the world. And there were many of them were making Aliyah, so they were coming back to the land. And I got to baptize people in the Jordan, and got to, I got to be the Bible teacher, which was challenging. I, I love to speak and teach, but I was like, how do I do it for this group? Special, something unique. Mm. And so wherever we were going to go, I was, I was like, what's next on the itinerary? And I'd start looking up every Bible passage from that area. Mm. And and let that shape what I was going to speak on, and so like I'm I'm in the boat in the Sea of Galilee, and I had had a vision when my son died, um and and twenty minutes he was dead for forty minutes and twenty minutes into it I saw a boat on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus oh man I felt the anointing Jesus was standing in the boat and that gave me the the peace and assurance to keep praying over this boy for 40 minutes and God raised him from the dead and, and gave him back to us, which is amazing. Wow. But it was like that story came back to me as I was out in that boat. So uh, everywhere we went, I was in Ashkelon and I was like, Ashkelon, Ashkelon, I've heard of that. What happened there? And that's where Dagon fell before the Ark of the Covenant, you know? And so it was like all these places that I had never paid attention to the name. Now I was like, I've been there. Somewhere in this area, a, a pagan statue fell and bowed before the Ark of the Covenant. Wow, I'm feeling God's anointing on this today. Um, and uh, yeah. Yep. Well, thank you guys so much. Would you guys each close us in prayer? Pray for Israel, pray for America, pray for everyone listening. And um, 
Uh, who I don't, Fareed, you want to go first? Yeah. Just, just would you pray for for everyone? In Arabic, right? No. A hundred percent. No, no, no. Father, Abba, God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are, for your mercies that are new every morning, even every minute. We thank you for times like this where brothers can come together to mm. express the beauty, the glory that exists only in you and by you. Mm. Father, I want to pray for the situation in our land, in our region, Yes, Lord. that your mercies will be shown, mm. that people, Lord, will come to you to ask for forgiveness, to ask for peace, mm. to ask for a new heart and mind. Father, I pray for all those families who lost loved ones. Yes, Lord. That you will comfort them. Mm. That you will be their shield. That you will be the one who really reveals himself to them that, Lord, they will find in your person comfort, and they will find in your person a new way, a new life. Lord, I pray for Richard's ministry and Andrew's. I believe that you have a purpose for this hour, for our lives and for the lives of many. I pray for our listeners that you will bless them. You will open their minds and hearts to seek truth, to seek you, first of all, and to seek, Lord, to do justice and mercy as you did. To seek you, Lord, to grow in the knowledge of you and in the love for the humankind. I thank you for being with us, for leading us, for protecting us, for blessing us. I pray for my brother, Reuben, that you will bless him, bless his ministry, bless his life, and make him shine, Lord, like a star amongst his people. Give him, Lord, more wisdom, I pray. Give him greater understanding of what you require of us as peacemakers, as men who committed their lives to you. I bless you, my brother Reuben, and I thank you, God, for your goodness and love. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Yes, God, thank you for this day, this opportunity to be together. Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done, yes. here on earth, all over the earth, as it is in heaven. Not any man's will or desires or wishes, but only yours. Thank you. Lord God, yours. That's what we need. We need you to intervene in Israel, in Gaza, in the surrounding area. Mm -hmm. Lord, to protect people, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, to, to grant them that peace, the shalom that passes all understanding, despite what's 
happening in their presence, that somehow there could be a, a peace, a wholeness within them that will protect them, Lord God. Lord, people need you protection. And Lord, we in America are not physically and emotionally uh, suffering and hurting, being attacked as they are there. But Lord, people are just, in all things, politics here in America, this situation, everything, God, are just getting ruder and meaner. Lord, are not showing respect for others. Mm -hmm. Lord, they're just caught in their own perspective, and it's just separating and causing hatred. Yes. It's, Lord, it's not what you want. Yeah. And so, God, move in our midst here in Israel all around and change us yeah. that we might be more like Jesus so that your purposes and plans can happen. And, and Lord, lastly, just as I mentioned earlier, the only ultimate way I think peace will come is when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, returns. And so let this remind me to pray for him to return. Yes, Lord. And I don't know, Peter says something I'd love to hear a teaching on, what whatever is in your ability do to, to bring about the return of Jesus. He says something like that, Lord, I'd like to find out what it is I could do to help bring about the return of Jesus because we need it. Mm -hmm. And Lord, so let that day come soon when he returns. Yes. And this is all past history. And we can live in your kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. And so bless my brother, bless our thank you for this time. And I thank you for all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Love you guys, and uh, look forward to um, doing Hanukkah together if we, got, if, if we can make that happen schedule-wise, yeah. and uh, doing um, yeah Kingdom together, whatever the Lord opens up. It would be incredible to take another trip to Israel and, and have a, the, a Jewish, Arab, um, a Palestinian... Uh, whether that's a service, a, a week together. I was thinking about when we lived in the in the tents for, that was just like 24 hours where Abraham probably oh, might have lived and we slept in these tents. And um, there was, oh my goodness, this guy. <laughs> One guy snored. This guy snores. Like so we're all sleeping outside under a tent, right? And I remember being like, this is really loud. Like, <laughs> I, I can't imagine sleeping through this. And so I sit up. And there's like 80 of us in this tent. There's 65 of us sitting up going, there's no way we're <laughs> sleeping with this guy screaming in his sleep. His snore was so loud. I don't know how his wife has ever slept in her entire life. It is. Tell him to have sleep uh, yes. up. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, it, that was that was cool. We rode camels. And wow. so I was picturing that because they, uh, they had youth go to that place yeah. and, and, uh, experience that and um, we, we got to live in a lot of different places that was just one but that was a pretty cool experience so mm -hmm. may the lord open those doors may the lord mm -hmm. open doors for you to come visit us Thank here you. and um yes. yeah if you are more interested in rabbi ron you can find him on rabbi ron speaks on facebook and youtube yes yes correct and uh is there anywhere that you post online farid where no. people can hear no. your teachings i'm no. not i'm not an online person 
Uh, I got you. You'll have to come on the trip to Israel when we have it if you want to hear more from Farid. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm an eye contact right. person, psychology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you guys for thank listening. You. Like, comment, and share. And uh, if you have any questions about about the show, about what's going on, message us, contact us. You can find Rabbi Ron on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, hopefully, you can come to church here on Sunday night and hear him talk about Hanukkah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Blessing. Yes. Blessings. Thank you. <laughs>